Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Wednesday, March 30th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us. we got a great show today for you. Coming to you live from Boulder City, Nevada. My third day here in Boulder City and my last for a little bit. I'll be off tomorrow because I'll be on a plane flying from Las Vegas back to Portland. And we'll bring you another live show on Friday from Portland, Oregon. But for today's show, we've got a little bit of a Nevada focus to talk about. In our show today, of course, it is uh, Hemp Day, Hump Day, so Doug Fine will be joining us. He's the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail. He's going to give us the latest updates on what's happening in the world of industrial hemp. And then at the end of the show, we'll have time for a radical rant, and that's where our Vegas tie-in comes in. We're going to take a look at the Las Vegas medical marijuana loophole that kind of exemplifies what a lot of people think when they say medical marijuana is a joke. And it's not that medical marijuana doesn't work. It's not that marijuana is not medical. It's the joke is that we're trying to keep it separated by whether or not you're healthy enough to use it. And uh, we'll discuss that coming up in the Radical Rant at the end of the show. Also in the news today, in our Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at some of the latest research, genetic research on cannabis dependence, First of all, we'll discuss what cannabis dependence is and the latest research that shows that the genes for cannabis dependence are closely tied to the genes that are implicated in depression and schizophrenia. And this might open up some understanding on why there's so much overlap in those population groups, why we find a lot of depressives using cannabis, a lot of schizophrenics using cannabis, and we can also start to take a look at whether or not that is a self-medicating behavior or something that's just a genetic predisposition. Also coming up on the show, right before the drug war data mines, we go behind the headlines where there's an interesting court case going on in the state of Connecticut. Their Supreme Court is going to be deciding whether or not drug dogs sniffing around in apartment hallways violates the privacy rights of the people living in those apartments. It's an interesting case that will also reference a case that was, uh, that was decided by the U.S. Supreme Court and an opinion that was written by the now late Judge Anthony Scalia, or Antonin Scalia, excuse me, Justice Scalia. So uh, his opinion comes back to us uh, with regard to this Connecticut case. And all that comes after our very first segment, which, of course, is the Cannabis Radio News. And then the news today will tell you about the latest changes to Oregon's recreational marijuana law that are expanding access for adults over 21. We've got the latest celebrity to join the Cannabis Crusade. We'll tell you all about her product. The state of Maine is looking at implementing a per se DUI 
LED limit for marijuana and driving. We've got a Women Grow chapter in Michigan that is sponsoring a panel discussion on medical marijuana for autism and another corrupt cop story where a police officer was busted for his use of marijuana. Then stay tuned for Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio, where there's so much more in the news for us to discuss. We've got a look at the NFL and their drug testing period that begins, interestingly enough, on 420. We've got a look at welfare, drug testing, and the Brookings Institute looking at medical marijuana. We've got Vermont and a, another lawsuit in Colorado, plus some international stories from Israel, New Zealand, and Ireland. All coming up today on the Russ Belleville Show, so stick around. We're back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. But you don't, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, March 30th, 2016. Oregon Governor Kate Brown has signed Senate Bill 1511, expanding access to marijuana products at state medical marijuana dispensaries to all adults 21 and older. Oregon passed marijuana legalization as Measure 91 in 2014. That law made possession and cultivation of cannabis by adults legal as of July 1, 2015. However, the law did not foresee the opening of legal marijuana shops until September of 2016. 
Last year, the legislature passed an early sales law that allowed all adults to shop at existing medical marijuana dispensaries starting October 1st, 2015. But that law only allowed for the sales of seven grams of marijuana flour to adults, leaving edibles, tinctures, salves, concentrates, and extracts restricted to medical marijuana patients only. This led many adults in the Portland area to cross the river into Vancouver, Washington, where adults can purchase those items in legal shops. Senate Bill 1511 now allows for the sales of all cannabis products to all adults, though the Oregon Health Authority still has to write the regulations for those sales. The bill also mandates that adult pot shops can sell products to medical marijuana patients free of taxation. Critics maintain that allowing adult shops to sell tax-free to patients and allowing dispensaries to sell all products to adults foreshadows an eventual merging of both medical and recreational marijuana programs. Like Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, and Roseanne Barr, Whoopi Goldberg is the latest pop-friendly celebrity to try her hand at cannabis. Goldberg is partnering with Maya Elizabeth, the owner of Om Edibles in Northern California, to create a line of products designed to help women alleviate menstrual cramps. Goldberg says she was rebuffed by men in the marijuana industry who said that her product was aimed at too niche of a market. Quote, hey, this niche is half the population of the earth, Goldberg tells Vanity Fair. This seems to be people flippantly blowing you off, which is what you get whenever you start talking about cramps. They weren't thinking, how do you target this? I have grown granddaughters who have severe cramps, so this is what I want to work on. End quote. Maine's Senate has passed LD-1628, a bill that would enshrine the same unscientific 5 nanogram per milliliter stone driving limit used in Washington state. The senators voted 19 to 14 to advance the bill to the democratically controlled Maine House. Maine has legalized medical marijuana and an initiative to legalize recreational marijuana is tied up in appeals concerning the validity of one signature gatherer who recorded 17,000 of the almost 100,000 signatures to put the measure on the ballot. Maine, like every state in the U.S., already has a law against operating a motor vehicle while impaired by drugs. Law enforcement wants the 5 nanogram per se DUID limit to make it easier to convict marijuana-using drivers found to be impaired. But scientists explain that a 5 nanogram reading on a blood test tells the court nothing about whether a driver is actually impaired. Tragically, many of the state's medical marijuana patients would have baseline levels above that legal limit even if they abstain from ingesting cannabis for 24 hours. West Michigan Women Grow will be holding a public panel discussion in Grand Rapids next Monday that will discuss the use of medical marijuana for autistic children. The panel includes attorney Michael Comorn, president of the Michigan Medical Marijuana Association, Christian Bogner, MD, who has a child affected by autism, along with other parents of autistic children. Tickets are $25 in advance or $35 the week of the event. To buy tickets or for more information, go to the Women Grow West Michigan Chapters event page. Michigan's regulatory department has refused a petition to add autism as a qualifying condition for medical marijuana treatment. No other medical marijuana state specifically recognizes autism as a qualifying condition, but Pennsylvania's legislature this month has passed the first such law that would recognize autism, and California's broad law allows for such use. A Florida police officer is off the job after a neighborhood tip led investigators to find marijuana and paraphernalia in the officer's squad car. The officer aroused suspicions of visiting a trailer in the neighborhood on a regular basis. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, March 30th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. 
Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show. Annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org. Or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Welcome back. Uh, in our Cannabis Focus today, we are going to take a look at a, Supre- a Supreme Court case in the state of Connecticut uh, that is very interesting with respect to our privacy rights. And this comes to us from Fox News in Connecticut. And it's about a, a man who lived in a condo. And what it has to do, this man's name is Dennis Kono. And in 2012, he was arrested when police... Uh, detected marijuana coming from his apartment. And the way this happened is the uh, apartment residents uh, were complaining that they had you know, smelled this guy growing marijuana and this guy was bragging about growing marijuana. So the police got in touch with the apartment building owners and asked if they could run their drug dog in the hallways of the apartment building. And the apartment building owners said, yeah, go right ahead. They run the dog through the hallways. The dog alerts at this guy's uh, door. So with that dog sniff alert, they go and get a search warrant. The cops with the search warrant go into this guy's apartment and they find several small marijuana plants, seeds, growing equipment, and firearms. But when the case went to trial, the judge dismissed the charges against Kono, saying that the dog's sniff outside his door violated his expectation of privacy and that therefore the search warrant was invalid, should never been approved. And this is based on a Supreme Court ruling, the United States Supreme Court ruling that came down in 2013. This ruling was the uh, Florida versus Jardines case. 
and I may be mispronouncing that guy's last name, but uh, this was a U.S. Supreme Court case that was very, very strange. Very strange because three of the court's liberals, Justice uh, Elena Kagan, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Sonia Sotomayor, you know, the three died-in-the-wool liberals, were joined in this decision in the majority, a 5-4 majority, by Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas. If you can find another Supreme Court case where Clarence Thomas and Scalia were on the same side as Kagan, Ginsburg, and Sotomayor, uh, I'll give you a dollar because I can't think of another case. And Scalia, the, the, the one of the most conservative uh, justices we've ever had, actually wrote the uh, majority opinion. He, he said, quote, it was a straightforward, end quote, case. And it all hinged on the concept of curtilage. What this was, in the case of Florida v. Jardines, uh, a drug-sniffing dog was brought to the front porch of this guy's uh, house, and the drug-sniffing dog alerted. Based on the alert, they got a, a search warrant. They searched the house. They find the marijuana plants. Jardines argued that that should be suppressed because having the dog outside of his house sniffing at the door was a search without a warrant. Now, that search then got them the warrant, but the the dog's sniff itself was a search. And Scalia wrote, quote, when it comes to the Fourth Amendment, the home is the first among equals. The right to be free of unreasonable government intrusion inside the home would be of little practical value if the state's agents could stand on the home's porch or side garden and troll for evidence with impunity. The officers who conducted the search had all four of their feet and all four of the companions, the dogs, firmly planted on the constitutionally protected expansion of Jardine's home. So the idea is the curtilage idea was that the man's home is his castle doesn't start just at the man's door. It also includes his front yard, his porch. It includes his property. And while the cops can come to your front porch and knock on the door like any citizen could to, you know, see if they want to talk to you bringing the dog with them an instrument of detection a search instrument was unconstitutional and that's where this case gets interesting because now we're talking about people in an apartment and the question becomes is that common hallway in an apartment building part of your curtilage is the area directly in front of your door in a common hallway curtilage and would that be a place where if you brought a drug dog without a warrant, you were intruding on a person's privacy rights. Now, the prosecution wants to say, well, no, it can't be curtilage because the the owner gave the uh, permission. The owner of the building gave permission to search in that building, a building owned by this guy. Now, you can be a landlord who owns a house. That doesn't give you the right to let uh, drug dogs uh, sniff around on the porch, but is the hallway within a common building owned by a building owner, is that part of the curtilage that's going to extend to the apartment dweller who then had, now there's no doubt the apartment dweller has privacy rights in his apartment. And there's no doubt that they can't bring a drug dog specifically to someone's door to search that door in the apartment. There were previous U.S. Circuit uh, Court of Appeals decisions in the 80s about that. But this is running the dog through the entire hallway. 
So it's an interesting case, and it'll be interesting to see how the Connecticut Supreme Court decides. I think regardless of how they come down on this case, this is something that will eventually have to be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court, given all the conflicting decisions regarding apartments versus houses. But practically, this is a a question of class. We can't have one rule that applies to rich people in the suburbs with their homes and porches and another for a poor people in apartments. As I was saying, you can't have one rule for rich people in the suburbs and another rule for poor people in apartments. At least that's the way life ought to be. Wouldn't be surprised if they rule the other way, though. I guess it depends on whether or not we get a Supreme Court justice seated anytime soon. Happy 420 Mountain Time Zone. We'll be back with Drug War Data Mining in just two minutes. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You know, during Dance with the Stars, I started feeling discomfort. Yeah. And not only that, I was doing these old mountain smells. And yeah. it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, the, all the Dancing with the Stars crew, cast and crew, you know, they were all young kids. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, this old guy would come along and do one of those silent farts, you know, that you don't know you're doing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you smell, and everybody go, what the hell smells? And, you know, and you knew it was me. And, and so I'd scurry off to the bathroom, you know. And that's when I knew that there was something wrong. The Tommy Chunk Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we go to Healthland on time, and Maya Zalovitz has written another uh, great piece here entitled, The Genes for Pot Addiction Have Been Identified. Now, I, I always... Uh, I always have to preface these discussions about these genetic predispositions as if like you're born with a certain gene and there's just no hope for you. It's guaranteed you're going to be a a marijuana addict. 
No, that's not what these kind of things mean. They just show a statistical uh, correlation in these cases. It doesn't mean that if you have this gene, you couldn't be a, uh, a responsible marijuana consumer. We're just talking about trends. But this is an interesting trend that they are finding. And that is that they've identified specific genes that seem to indicate a predisposition for cannabis dependence. And some of those same genes are also identified with increased risk for depression and schizophrenia. And this is why this is very interesting, because when they when they take a look at people who do have a cannabis dependence, about 90 percent of them also suffer from some other psychiatric condition or addiction. And so the idea here may be that we were actually finding some justification for the idea that it's all related. You know, for the longest time when we've spoken with Dr. Mitch on our show, we always point out that, yes, there are people that get depressed or use that get depressed and then use cannabis or people that have schizophrenic uh, tendencies that use cannabis, but it doesn't show that the cannabis caused those tendencies. They just seem to go together like peanut butter and jelly. We just, it doesn't mean you have to always eat peanut butter with jelly. They just see there's a correlation there. So the uh, authors uh, said, quote, we were surprised to find a genetic risk overlap between cannabis dependence and major depression. This is coming out in a study in the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry. And the way they did this study is they found 15,000 people that were in three different groups. And they noted what their genetic makeup was. Now, in these groups, the people with cannabis uh, dependence ranged between 18% and 36% of the people in those three groups. That's a, a, a great deal more than what you'd find in the general population. The general population is about 9% of the people have a cannabis dependence. So in these groups, we're talking about groups with twice to four times the regular rate of cannabis dependence, but that's just because they're trying to tease out these genetic markers. So they're naturally going to try to pick people that have that dependence. So one of the genes they discovered was linked to the risk for both depression and marijuana addiction or or cannabis dependence. And what they're saying here is that the people with genetic risk for depression are simply more likely to smoke pot excessively. And that could be a form of self-medication in their case. They point out that this is also something that is correlated with youth. We find that when people do develop a a schizophrenic type of uh, disability or disorder, that it tends to happen in the later parts of the teenage years, between 15 and 18. This also tends to be the time that people take up marijuana consumption, if they do at all, is usually between the ages of 15 and 18. It's hard to work out the exact, you know, what's causing what, but we find that the uh, studies that are showing that pot smokers, for example, are more likely to have schizophrenia. Again, this study about the genetics is showing us that that just might be expected. It just might be expected because somebody who's likely to get schizophrenia is also likely to smoke pot or someone who's likely to smoke pot might be the type who's likely to have schizophrenia, but it doesn't mean one causes the other. 
They're also taking a look at uh, research on uh, autism, attention deficit disorder as well. There was a second gene discovered that was found to be involved in the early development of the nervous system and trying to tease out these genetic markers and what effects they might have are helping us to come up with better understanding of what's going on with people that do develop these terrible problems of cannabis dependence. And we should note, I mean, on this show, we like to point out that cannabis is safer than alcohol and can be used responsibly, but there, there can be a tendency among people in our community to discount the reality of cannabis dependence for some people and to say that it's all made up or they're just trying to uh, pull a fast one on us. And folks, that's not true. Some people do have a demonstrable uh, psychiatric condition uh, of cannabis dependence. So we won't make light of it. We will understand that this is a problem for some people, but we also need to understand that just because it is a problem for some people, just like some people are alcoholics, it doesn't mean that we want to ban alcohol or put alcoholics in jail. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a couple of minutes. And when we return, we've got a hemp day hump day update with Doug Fine. Unfortunately, Doug is in the Rocky Mountains and unable to get a cell signal for us. So we're going to replay our update with Doug from a couple of weeks ago, where he fills us in on the latest advances in industrial hemp. We're back in two minutes. Stick around. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election this year. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org, supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts. 
from the silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with cannabisradio.com. Don't be late. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day update. Well, it's almost like deja vu. feel like we just heard that theme. Welcome back, everybody. We've got Doug Fine on the line here talking in our Hemp Day Hump Day update, and we're waiting for a call-in from Morris Beagle, who'll be joining us from Northern Colorado Hemp. Welcome back, Doug. Good to be with you always. So can you tell us a little bit about this uh, Northern Colorado uh, Hemp Expo that you've uh, been discussing? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really proud of the Colorado Hemp Company. And by the way, I just got a text um, from Morris that uh, he's dealing with an emergency. He's going to call in ASAP if he can while we're still talking. In in fact, we, we we do have Morris on the line, actually. Morris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry, I've been juggling uh, the world here the last (laughs) couple of days. Believe me, we know how (laughs) it is. Uh, Morris, we appreciate you being here. And we were just asking Doug uh, about this uh, Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Well, let, let me introduce, if I could, this is Doug, let me introduce Morris for a quick second, just okay. for having worked closely with him now for three years, and, and then I'll let him take it away, because first of all, we're partners on, at his Colorado Hemp Company um, printed the Hemp Printed First Legal Harvest, my most recent book, and it's a tree-free publishing revolution, and it also documented the farmers whose hemp actually partly went into the book, and so we've been working together for years, and I was a speaker right after Hempbound came out, the previous book, at the first NOCO Hemp Expo, and watching it become this premier event at the, at the you know, the, the big event center in Loveland, Colorado, um, is is an astounding thing that echoes the, the growth of hemp, and Mars full-on gets it. He was, he's been a music producer who wants to undo, he can tell you, the, the many thousands of pounds of, uh, of CD cases that he sent to the landfill over the years, and he also is a producer and promoter who treats his talent well and runs the best possible events, and um, it's, it's in year three become the go-to hemp industry events in the world. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, Morris, tell us all about it. Well, man, I don't know if I can follow up that introduction there. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> um, well, so this is the yeah, this is the third annual NOCO, and it has grown substantially since the first year. And it's April first and second. It's Friday and Saturday. Uh, it was one day the previous two years, but because of demand and all the different educational components that can be included in it. We needed to go to two days and next year we'll probably have to go to three days because we're already 
over capacity and all the vendors that we have and workshops and panels and speaker presentations. So we're really, you know, we've got 120 plus vendors. We've got over 70 speakers coming in from around the, the country and around the world. Um, you know, we're covering, you know, virtually all critical topics of industrial hemp, nutritional hemp, the CBD side, and, you know, the differences between the marijuana side of the business and the hemp side of the business and, you know, trying to address the infrastructure and getting this thing pulled off the federal schedule and being able to have a true hemp revolution here in the United States and change the world. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that. The The planet can't wait. Uh, we've got more and more states that are taking on industrial hemp. I was reading recently Alabama and Hawaii uh, get some uh, pretty positive bills. Uh, Morris, does this event cover the national and international spectrum of industrial hemp? Oh, absolutely. So it's grown from a kind of a Colorado-based event the first year with some you know, outreach to the national and international side of things to last year, we had people from Europe and people from Canada that came and they spoke. And this year we've got, you know, people from China and Australia and Europe and Canada. And we're talking about not just the domestic industry, but the international global industry. You know, uh, as we continue to make these changes in our hemp laws, you know, we're getting to the point where some of these states have research plots. Uh, other states are a little farther ahead, but they're still uh, we're still lagging behind in the post harvest, the, the processing of the industrial hemp. How can how does the uh, the uh, festival, uh, the expo address those issues? Well, several of the processors that are getting up and going that have had uh, these pilot scale facilities like Pure Vision, Pure Hemp here in Colorado that's a biorefinery technology, they're in the process of securing a, a large location to build a full-on upscaled bioreactor that can process 25 tons a day rather than the half a ton a day they can do now. Uh, there's a company in Kentucky called Sunstrand that's got a decorticating system, and they can do uh, almost a ton a day. They can do like 5 million pounds a year, and they've got an upscale version that they're going to be putting into place here over the course of the next year in Kentucky. There's also a decorticating facility in North Carolina, um, industrial hemp manufacturers, David Schmidt and the hemp ink people out there have got that up and ready to roll, but there's still no hemp being grown in North Carolina. Mm. And, you know, these, these technologies can be placed in a variety of parts of the country. You know, the biorefineries could really be placed in any place that had the acreage to support a biorefinery. So, you know, as more states come online, you'll see these technologies rolling out. The processing will be there. The extraction technology for the CBD side of the business is already there. You know, we've got, uh, you know, eight or ten, you know, extractors that are going to be there. And, you know, the extraction technology from the, the hops industry and the essential oils industry and now the marijuana industry, I mean, that technology is there. And some of the new technologies that are coming online are going to, you know, leave some of these technologies that are, you know, prevalent in the market today, they're going to be, you know, left behind and in the dust here in the next 
12 to 24 months is my guess. Wow, no doubt about it. It's it's expanding rapidly and evolving even faster. And uh, Morris, I'm wondering if folks out there in my audience would like to know more about the expo to go online, get tickets, or just find out information. Can you give them some websites or information to help? Yep, www.nocohempexpo.com. NoCoHempExpo.com. You heard it here first. All right, folks. Uh, we've got some questions coming in from our chat room, and this could go to either one of you, but it's addressed to uh, Doug Fine. Uh, John wanted to know, is it incorrect that hemp doesn't cross-pollinate with high THC strains? He heard testing was showing no cross-pollination. Correct. So the... When I was researching Two Out of Fail, a book about regenerative psychoactive cannabis, just half a decade ago, I heard and had no reason not to believe the conventional wisdom that if the federal authorities in the then more raging drug war really wanted to eradicate the Emerald Triangle uh, cultivation market, they'd dive bomb hemp pollen. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so the, re- um, the reality is, is you can crossbreed any different kind of cannabis if you really want to target it. But generally speaking, the deal is industrial hemp uh, cultivates, uh, uh, pollinates at a different time of year than psychoactive cannabis. It's a different growing season. Um, Not only that, but it's used as a protectant from pollination on other plants. And I saw in Europe different cultivars of hemp being grown catty-corner to each other on multi-acre plots and none of the farmers were worried about it. It was about good farming, good communication. That's that's all that it takes. Um, and so, um, it we, we, two farmers in Oregon last year grew adjacent um, hemp cannabis farm. And, and at NoCo, I'll have in my my keynote talk a slide that's where I take a show of hands from the audience. Which one of these is the psychoactive, and which one of these is the hemp? They're huge, five plus pound uh, plants, uh, flowering plants leaning into each other, hugging each other, literally loving each other, no cross-pollination. And the second farmer in Oregon also um, did that test uh, last year as well. So um, we feel, you, all those of us who have been preaching that it's all one plant and all the items you and I must have been talking about earlier in the segment, those of us who are preaching it, we, we believed it, but we didn't want to sound too sure of ourselves because people's livelihoods are, are at stake, and we're seeing more and more evidence in the ground and more and more understanding that it's one plant. In cooperation, and that's just the kind of education, by the way, we'll see at NOCO. Mars, Mars was mentioning um, the international region. You asked about that. Besides my keynote at State of the Hemp Industry, a member of the Drunkers family, one of the first hemp, modern hemp producers in uh, European industry, will be there speaking. Um, it's just an unbelievably sort of broad array of people that everybody wants to be. It's like being in a Woody Allen movie. They know hmm. that, that Morris uh, is a good person, does a good job. Everybody wants to be there. And it's a place where I always learn as well as teach. Uh, I, I do have to interrupt our interview for just this bit of breaking news. The Senate or the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania has just passed their medical marijuana bill, 149 to 43. It heads back to the Senate Woo-hoo! for a concurrent vote and then will go before the governor to sign it into law as he says he will. That would make Pennsylvania the 24th medical marijuana state. Sorry for the in- interruption. Just wanted to make sure we got that breaking news out before the end of the hour. Uh, Doug, before we 
we uh, wrap up here at the top of the hour, I want to give you the chance to let people know. I mean, you mentioned it briefly. You'd be at Ungas uh, in uh, New York. That's I'm planning on headed to, heading there as well. Can you give people just a rundown of where they might catch up with you if they want to meet you in person and get a book signed? Oh, I appreciate you mentioning that. So, yeah, I'm uh, NOCO April 1st and 2nd um, in Colorado. And um, let's see, I've got uh, Sterling College in Vermont uh, coming up. In May, oh, but that was skipping ahead, April 19th to 21st, on guess. I'm psyched to see you there, Russ. I hope we can potentially do a segment there. Besides, I have media accreditation. Besides the coverage I'm going to be doing, I'm also participating in a number of panels, and I'll be up, uh, updating folks on that. I've testified before the United Nations already leading up to UNGAS. Um, all that information, videos of the previous testimony, and all the events are on my website at dougfine.com, uh, and I, I couldn't be more excited about uh uh, about that, it's going to be a busy. It'll, spring is just a busy time of year because we're prepping for planting and projects in Oregon, Colorado, Vermont. Um, there's a teeny, teeny part of me that's almost relieved that my New Mexico, uh, state of New Mexico, didn't get didn't get it together this year because it would have been maybe a little too much to document. But then again, my goats outside my office window right now, Russ and Mars, are uh, eagerly awaiting homegrown hemp protein cake so uh sooner the better <laughs> i'm sure they are <laughs> doug fine is the author of hemp bound and too high to fail and one of the nation's leading experts on industrial hemp morris beagle from northern colorado hemp expo and it was the colorado hemp company did i get that right Correct. all right yep. thank, thank you guys so much yep. for joining us today for this extended hemp day hump day update that's all the time we've got for today because there is a camera crew here from CBS. Well, that was a couple of weeks ago when I was in Phoenix, our interview with Doug Fine and Morris Beagle. My apologies, Doug couldn't make it today for our update. He was just out of cell phone range and could not get a decent connection. We'll have him back in a couple of weeks and you can ask your hemp questions then. Coming up next, we got time for a radical rant. The Nevada medical marijuana loophole that makes people think medical marijuana is a joke when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The Russ Belleville Show.
Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Welcome back, everybody. This week, I'm in Las Vegas, and I'm doing some work that requires me to do something I swore I would never do, and that's get a medical marijuana card. Now, medical marijuana in Nevada has been around since 2000, when 65% of their voters approved the law. Now, medical marijuana had been kind of under the radar for the most part until 2013. In that year, the state passed its dispensary law. That law authorized the creation of dispensaries, and one of them is near the famous Las Vegas Strip. And that's where my job comes in. Because I have to go there and do some interviews and maybe a a live broadcast remote. And I can't get into that building unless I have a medical marijuana recommendation. Now, the problem with this 2013 law is it did create dispensaries. And that's, that's a good thing. But those dispensaries came at a huge price. And that price is the right for almost all medical marijuana patients to cultivate their own cannabis. Every patient who was growing their own plants as of July 1st, 2013 can continue having their home grow until tomorrow. Tomorrow is the last day that medical marijuana growers who had been growing up until 2013, it's the last day that they can home grow. And those medical marijuana patients who got their cards after July 1st, 2013, once the dispensary law was passed, couldn't home grow at all. That was just a grandfathering in for the existing patients to try to find another way to get their medicine. So, as of Friday, there will be no home grow rights for medical marijuana patients in the state of Nevada. The idea being that they don't need to home grow anymore because now dispensaries exist. Now, there is a, a tiny window of legality for a few home growers. According to the law, quote, Self-cultivation, self-growing, and self-production is prohibited unless the person engaging in such activity qualifies for one of the compassionate exceptions from the prohibition, including an illness that precludes travel to a medical marijuana dispensary and the lack of a medical marijuana dispensary within 25 miles of the person's residence. That sounds familiar. It's the infamous 25-mile halo rule that was first unleashed in Arizona's 2010 medical marijuana law, where living in a city pretty much precludes you from cultivating cannabis. 
Thanks to this rule in Arizona, 97.2% of all patients in the state live somewhere with no home grow rights. And there's no reason to think that Nevada won't also have that situation for more than 90% of their patients. And it seems to me like this Nevada no home grow halo is even more restrictive. In the Arizona rule, if you're more than 25 miles away, you have the right to home grow. This Nevada rule says you got to be more than 25 miles away and your illness precludes travel to a dispensary. Now, I'd like to check the actual text of the law, but uh, that's the way this description has been written up, as if you have to have both to get your exception. Now, the qualifying conditions for a medical marijuana card under Nevada law include AIDS, cancer, glaucoma, and any medical condition or treatment for a medical condition that that produces cachexia, persistent muscle spasms or seizures, severe nausea or pain, and PTSD is a condition. Well, folks, I, I don't qualify under any of those conditions. So there's no way I should be able to get a medical marijuana recommendation under Nevada law. So I'm out of luck, right? Wrong. The same law that passed in 2013 that established Nevada dispensaries also established reciprocity for medical marijuana recommendations from other states. Simply put, your out-of-state medical marijuana card is good in Nevada. There is a catch. It's only good at one dispensary that you designate. So, while I'm never going to qualify for a medical marijuana card under Nevada's law, I'm more than able to qualify under California's lax standards. So, the problem then becomes, if I'm in Las Vegas, how do I get myself to California to go uh, get myself a medical marijuana card. I mean, the the nearest clinic is going to be probably in L.A. or somewhere in the L.A. area. It might be quite a drive. But I don't have to drive all the way to a medical marijuana clinic thanks to websites that now exist that allow you to get your California medical marijuana recommendation with a tele-checkup. That's right. You can just get a webcam and a microphone Talk to a doctor in California via this web chat and that doctor will write out your recommendation for medical cannabis and they will mail you your medical marijuana card. They can even next day mail it for you. So it's just a short 45 minute drive from Las Vegas to the California border because according to the website, when you're talking to the doctor in California, you have to be located in California. Now you don't have to be a California resident don't have to be a California resident. You just have to be physically in California to be able to get the card. So either you drive 45 minutes from Las Vegas down I-5 to cross the California border and then get on your tablet or smartphone and do the little video chat to get your medical marijuana card, or you log in from wherever the hell you are and you just tell them you're in California because they're not checking IP addresses or trying to physically verify that you're not where you say you are, allegedly. So it's just a matter of getting online so that you can get your medical marijuana recommendation, get your card mailed out to you. But you don't even have to wait that long. In addition to doing the medical marijuana card for you, the people at the online website will send you some email. 
that contains a PDF of your recommendation. And all you have to do is click onto the website, download the PDF, print out the uh, item, and that's where the big loophole comes in here in Nevada. Once I get this printed out PDF of my medical marijuana recommendation, then it's just a matter of going to a medical marijuana dispensary and signing an affidavit that says I'm a medical card holder in my own state. So I don't really even have to go to the trouble of doing the online signup with the California doctor. I could just walk into the medical marijuana dispensary and say, I have a medical marijuana card, sign a little piece of paper, and I will be given a functional equivalent to a medical marijuana card, and then I can buy my marijuana. So if you don't mind lying about having a medical marijuana card, and really at this point, since you've not minded lying about what condition you have and talking to a doctor on Skype, essentially, doesn't seem like it should be that much problem. So there's a Las Vegas Republican, uh, Patricia Farley, and she supports legalization of recreational marijuana. And uh, she is saying that the thing about this functional equivalent, you know, signing this affidavit, there's no state databases to check up, you know, cross you know, interstate databases to check up on whether someone's actually a registered medical marijuana card. And Farley says, quote, you're now seeing in the state of Nevada, lots of businesses forming to help tourists when they get here, get a functional equivalent to medical marijuana cards. So even the Republican legislators in Nevada have recognized what a joke the medical marijuana system has become. And let me again say it with emphasis. I'm not saying medical marijuana is a joke. Marijuana is obviously one of the best medicines ever known to mankind. We're not saying marijuana doesn't work for patients. We're not saying patients don't get benefit from it. We're not saying patients or all patients are lying about what's going on. What we're saying here is the system that has been established to separate the sick from the healthy is a joke. That system is either an absurd joke when we talk about California and teleconferencing and the ease with which anybody, healthy or not, can get a recommendation. Or we're talking about a tragic joke where you take it to a state like uh, New York or Minnesota where it's so, or Illinois, where they've made the program so restrictive trying to separate the sick from the healthy that many of the sick people end up on the wrong side of the line because the legislators there don't want it to look like the, the absurd joke of California or Nevada where anybody can get a card and it's essentially legal recreational marijuana. And the root of this joke on either side, either the absurd side or the tragedy side, is the joke of trying to say marijuana is two different products based on why the people are using them. Folks, marijuana is marijuana. It doesn't matter if I want to smoke it to get high or you want to smoke it to ease your pain. It's still marijuana. Trying to separate people or trying to separate a market and criminally punish some of the market while allowing the rest of the market based on arbitrary decisions of health is bound to create these absurdities 
and these loopholes that the healthy people will try to jump through. Let's just legalize marijuana for everyone. Whatever your reason is, is your own business. Folks, that's all the time we got for Hour 1, but stay tuned. Hour 2 is coming up next. We got international news from Ireland and Israel and New Zealand. We got all sorts of other stories bubbling up through the courts and through the legislatures. And we'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. Don't forget to stay tuned for Stoner Jesus at the top of 5 o'clock and at 6 o'clock, the new Tommy Chong podcast on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. You take a swing, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a swing, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome back, tokers and tokets and non-token lovers of liberty. Radical Russ here in Boulder City, Nevada. Just checking out my medical marijuana recommendation. My doctor says that... uh, my uh, use of medical cannabis can help with my anxiety, stress, depression, and insomnia. So, uh, yep, my doctor says it will work. So now I, uh, I'm i legal. Yay, I have a recommendation. <laughs> uh, it's been a, been a long time coming, but now I've got it. Uh, physician statement and recommendation for John Belleville. That's me. Lucky me, I am a medical marijuana patient. You know what's kind of nice about this, too, is the... Uh, Medical marijuana patient name here, John Belleville, doesn't have my uh, social security number, doesn't have my uh, birth date, 
or anything. So I could use this and I could give a copy to my dad because my dad's name is John Belleville too. So he could, he could use it as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Medical marijuana, ladies and gentlemen, that's, uh, that's the system that we, uh, have gotten. And of course, you know, going off, going off on that last rant, we know why medical marijuana exists. Medical marijuana didn't exist because everybody wanted to help the sick people. Medical marijuana exists because we wanted to legalize marijuana and we could only get the voters to support it for sick people. This is, you know, the, this is one of the things that this, the other side says, our opponents say, and, and you, I'm probably the only guy that's going to tell you this in the marijuana movement, right? I'm one of the few guys that's going to come out and tell you when our opponents are right. I'm not afraid of that. As, a, as someone who's been involved in debate, you need to know your opponent's arguments. You need to know, it, it goes back to Sun Tzu, right? You know, know your enemy. And in our opponent's arguments, they often like to say that medical marijuana is a red herring. It's the camel's nose under the tent because the people that want medical marijuana really just want to legalize marijuana. And in the early 90s, they recognized that they needed to rebrand marijuana away from being a hippie stoner drug into being a medicine for sick people. And then people couldn't resist voting for it. It would be kind of a nice tactic to get the law passed. And then once medical marijuana existed, people would get more and more comfortable with medical marijuana and more and more comfortable with marijuana in general. And then that would lead them to supporting legalization. Yep. Absolutely right. And, and history has borne it out. All the states that have legalized so far started with medical marijuana. Now the medical marijuana people don't want you to say that medical marijuana advocates hate it. When you bring this up, they say, oh, it's the compassion. It's all about the compassion for the sick people. But follow up your question with, should a healthy person be arrested for marijuana? Should a non-medical marijuana patient be arrested for marijuana? You won't find these, med- You'll f- well, maybe you will, but it's very rare that you're ever going to find a medical marijuana advocate who says, who's in support of prohibition, who says that we ought to, no, well, we support getting the patients off the battlefield in the war on drugs. Oh, but do you want the war on drugs to continue? Well, no, nobody should go to jail. We, of course, we su- support legalization, but the first priority, uh-huh, first priority. So legalization is a priority. I maintain that it's impossible to support medical marijuana and not support the legalization of marijuana. Because what gives the greatest access to patients than the right for every human being to be able to use as they see fit? This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo for Earth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is just about nine after the hour, and I am printing out my medical cannabis recommendation. That's right, folks. Mark this as the day. March 30th, 2016, Radical Russ officially became a medical marijuana patient. (laughs) And, you know, uh, for me, I'm going to put patient in quote marks, just like I put radical. (laughs) I'm a patient, right? (laughs) Yeah, I got to No, it's true, folks. I'm a medical marijuana patient because I I went to a website and I told them that, like, I get depression, anxiety, and insomnia. And uh, then that website, it uh, it made me do a Skype call with a doctor. And the doctor said, "Oh, well, then you should use marijuana." So there you go. That's medicine. Here we go. I'm I'm legal. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I'm looking at it. Here it is. You can hear it, right? I'm looking at the piece of paper right now. They got a 24 hour verification number. They got my patient number. It's good until March 30th of 2017. And uh, my doctor says that the use of medical marijuana is appropriate. There we go. I've crossed into, I've crossed the Rubicon, folks. I've become one of them. <laughs> I'm a medical marijuana patient. Okay. Well, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to cop to this being a work requirement. It's a, it's a job requirement because I have, to, I have to be able to report on dispensaries. And uh, now I'll be able to. And this uh, this medical marijuana recommendation, I understand, will work for me in six states. And I think I can name, name them all. Nevada, Arizona, Delaware, Michigan, Rhode Island, uh, Maine? I'm not sure. Let's find out. This is important information. We don't want to get this wrong. By the way, uh, there's a great resource on the web if you've not used it before. Uh, it's called Medical Marijuana dot procon dot org and they've got a great list you know it's uh, all the possession limits all of their ballot questions whether or not they have uh, reciprocity let's see residency requirements nope all proof of residency uh 
patient registry. They used to have a list here for reciprocity. Accepts other patients' registry cards. Yes, uh, Arizona, but you can't shop in a dispensary there. California uh, does not, but my recommendations for California. Um, let's see, Colorado, but uh, I'm legal in Colorado. Doesn't matter. No Connecticut. No DC. No Delaware. No on Hawaii, darn it. Uh, no on Illinois, Maine, yes. Yes for Maine, no for Maryland. Unknown for Massachusetts, they might. That's very good. Michigan accepts other states' medical marijuana cards. Minnesota does not. Uh, Montana does not anymore. They had a. Uh, they used to in Montana. Uh, they just passed a bill, SB 423, this really, well, just passed it, passed in 2011, uh, that really uh, cut back on their program. Um, yes, in Nevada. So again, that's the story we've been talking about. Uh, yes, in New Hampshire. Okay, there we go. There's the state I did not realize is New Hampshire does now accept other states' medical marijuana cards. Let's go on. Uh, New Jersey, no. No surprise there. New Mexico, no. Oregon, no. So I won't even be legal in my home state. (laughs) That's great. All right. Um, But I'm legal medical marijuana patient, I should say, since marijuana is legal in Oregon. Rhode Island. uh, There's a a catch for Rhode Island, only for the conditions that are approved in Rhode Island. And none of my conditions are a Rhode Island condition, so I guess I have to chop, uh, cut Providence off my uh, travel plans, right? Uh, no in Vermont and no in Washington State. So there you go. Again, this is all at medicalmarijuana.procon.org if you want to know which states are the medical marijuana reciprocity states. Now, in other news, got a big, uh, got a big warning for our uh, NFL players that are fans of the show. I know there's got to be a lot of them, right? Uh, The drug testing period begins April 20th. That's right. The NFL starts their substance abuse testing. This is their once a year annual test for substances of abuse. April 20th through August 9th. They actually tweeted this out (laughs) Uh, from the NFL PA account. That's NFL Players Association. April 20th through August 9th is testing for substance of, of abuse, which we know means weed. Here it is. They tweet this out today. That's giving 21 days for the players to stop smoking weed. So once the test starts on April 20th, they can get away with it. They can uh, pass their test. And... Once you have your test, you know that's the only test that you're going to have. There won't be a test for the rest of the year. So, if you're failing your once-a-year NFL drug test, you're either smoking a lot of weed and forgetting what the date of the test is and not stopping. Now, You know me, I don't think anybody should lose their job from a drug test. I don't think anybody should be punished for a drug test. Drug tests should be abolished, period. However, I I do have to comment that 
when they make the joke that it's not a drug test, it's an intelligence test, that's what Marvin Washington told me, uh, former defensive end for uh, the Jets and, and the Broncos. He says, he says it's really just an intelligence test because they only test you once a year and they tell you it's coming. And if you can't pass that, well, you're either smoking so much that you've got a baseline level that beats the test or you got a cannabis dependence problem. And you just can't stop. So who knows? But uh, the, the, te- the testing should be banned anyway. But uh, it's just funny to me that they test once a year. So you got to think these guys that are that are failing it, you know, you could pass it. Let's just say that. All right. Let me get to another story. This is a uh, great information coming out of the Brookings Institute. John Hudak's been a guest on the show, and he's the lead author on this new study. And I wanted to play you just a clip uh, from John and his uh, uh, co-authors on what they call the medical marijuana mess. At the time, it was just hell. You're a parent and you're just putting one foot in front of the other. It's like, this can't be the rest of her life. There's got to be something else. She didn't understand why she had to go to another state to get medicine. Well, when we were in Colorado, emotionally it was very difficult, particularly for Jennifer being away from her father because he stayed here with my other daughter. Couldn't quit his job, so we split up the family. We almost just lost everything. We financed all kinds of stuff, trying to, you know, set up two households. You're looking around and literally the dosing is all parents and it's mainly tiger moms that are just tirelessly taking care of their kids. Um, you know, just kind of, it's like, okay, my kid has this, and they're taking this, so how are you weaning down? It's like, I'm, okay, I'm going to try that. Well, okay, well, uh, try dropping it, and literally that's how everybody is dosing. There's no doctors because they can't talk about it. And meanwhile, you're seeing your kid be able to wean off 75% with your own eyes and not have these side effects, and nope, we can't. Sorry, it's still illegal. We need more research, it's, but we can't, we can't do research. And if you look at the last couple of years, parents just like us, hundreds, in most of the states in the country doing exactly what we did, trying to change your state law and wondering why are you practically bankrupting yourself and all your spare time just trying to take care of your kid, being told, no, you can't do that, and, oh, by the way, you run the risk of having forfeiture and, you know, losing your your house and all your money and your kid, too. That's the medical marijuana mess uh, video profiling some of the families that are dealing uh, with these states that uh, have no medical marijuana. Uh, John Hudak's report, The Medical Marijuana Mess, A Prescription for Fixing a Broken Policy, is available at the Brookings Institute, brookings.edu. And Brookings basically says that it's just unconscionable for us to be allowing these people to suffer. And we need to immediately reschedule marijuana and deschedule CBD. Uh, Great report. And uh, we will have uh, John Hudak on 
as a guest for our show once again to discuss this, but he's been interviewing so many of these people that have had uh, such devastating effects from this marijuana prohibition on their families, on their children, on their health, on their finances, on their possible freedom. And it's important for us, even if we are pointing out what a joke these medical marijuana programs can be, the joke side of it is this federal ban. The joke is marijuana being Schedule 1 and forcing us to come up with medical marijuana programs that, if we are trying to be compassionate, can't help but have loopholes. You know, this thing that allows the people in Vegas to walk into a dispensary and sign an affidavit that they're a cardholder in another state is what you would do for to be compassionate. Somebody comes to the to Vegas from, you know, Vermont and they've got cancer and they've got a card in Vermont, but they didn't bring their card with them. What are you going to do? Turn them away? No, you let them sign a piece of paper that says they're okay to come in and you get them their medical marijuana. Now that loophole allows any old 20 something to walk in too and say the same thing. Well, okay. What? What's the alternative? Let the guy with cancer suffer? Let's just end the joke at its root. Boot to the head. Ow, you booted me in the head! <laughs> Every now and then, somebody needs a boot to the head. Happy 420, everybody, from Boulder City, Nevada. I know the medical marijuana advocates are going to want my head on a pipe for this, but this is a... Uh, this is what it's come to. This is what it's come to. All right, when we come back, we got international news. Stay tuned. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 22 after the hour. Hope you had a good safety meeting. Taking a look at a headline on the Washington Post, how Vermont could change the marijuana legalization game. And it, um, it covers some of the same points that I've made discussing the issue of Vermont. And, it, and it's kind of this double-edged sword that we're going to have to deal with. And it's the problem of the unequal democracy we have throughout the United States. Simply put, about half the U.S. can control its own destiny through a vote of the people. And the other half cannot. And I'm talking about the power of voter initiatives. There's a great website for this, by the way, iandrinstitute.com. And you have to spell out and, so iandrinstitute.com. That's for initiative and referendum. And it talks about the power of the people. This website you know, tracks the power of the people to be able to institute law in their state. And there's different levels, right? That's what they mean by uh, initiative and referendum. Uh, There's different levels. In some states, like Florida, the people can only initiate a constitutional amendment. That's all the power they have to do. That's why they went with that in Florida. Even though an amendment in Florida requires a 60% threshold to pass, because it was their only option. They didn't have, they can't just make a statutory initiative. Oregon is a state that's got both. You can do constitutional amendment or statutory initiative. Some states, you can only petition for statutory initiative. Some states, you only have the power of referendum, which is to uh, address a law already passed to either repeal it or amend it, right? Some only have initiated referendums, like you have to put the initiative forth to the legislature and then they have to put it on the ballot and there's a lot of variations here but for the purposes of this discussion we'll just say there's some states that have initiatives and some states that don't okay let's just keep it easy there are more states that don't i think it's like 26 that don't have this and 24 that do and most of the states that have the initiative power are in the west there's a couple in the northeast maine and uh, massachusetts and rhode island has initiative as well uh, but most of them are concentrated in the, in the, in the Western United States. And that's why most of the early medical marijuana states were in the West because the people had the power of the initiative. And that's also why to some degree, the medical marijuana laws that passed early on are better laws than the ones that passed later on. That's why the, the first medical marijuana states from 1996 to 2010 have the right to home grow and access to whole plant medicine. It was in 2010 through 2016 that we've seen this second wave of medical marijuana where there's no longer a home grow right. And in some cases, uh, Minnesota and New York, there's no access to whole plant. You have to just get tinctures and concentrates and oils and such. Uh, THC and CBD. And then the other states, the southern states that pass the CBD only laws where you're not even really getting marijuana, you're just getting an extract of a constituent 
of marijuana, CBD. So we have this dichotomy. We have this divide of the good marijuana laws in places where there's initiatives and the bad marijuana laws. And and really, marijuana laws are like sex and pizza, right? When they're good, they're great. And when they're bad, they're still pretty good. So we have these good marijuana laws, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado. We can grow our own. We can get whole plant. Then you have the not so good marijuana laws where it's dispensary only and sometimes you can't get smokable marijuana. And that was an inevitable consequence of there being initiative states versus legislative states. Because the initiative states, the people can say, hey, we want a pony and put it on the ballot. And if enough people vote for it, great, it passes. But in the legislative states, you got these legislators who on a good day, on an issue they're well briefed on, are idiots, <laughs> right? And you're going to put before them marijuana, which they believe all sorts of reefer madness about. And I'll, I'll get to that in another story coming up. But uh, so you got these legislators want to work on it. And then you also have the phenomenon of the early medical marijuana states, since they did get to pass the I want a pony laws in the early states, that led to people seeing this, like, like me, getting a medical marijuana recommendation via Skype. And that led these legislators to say, no, we're not going to be like that. We're going to make sure this is, you know, locked down tight. So we got this divide between good medical marijuana and not so good medical marijuana. The Vermont question here being addressed in this Washington Post piece is that we're going to have the same thing when it comes to legalization. We're going to have the same same sort of divide. You're going to have marijuana legalization out west where people will have pot shops where they can get edibles and tinctures and salves and flour and concentrates and where they're allowed to grow marijuana at home and possess a great deal of it in private. And then you're going to have the other legalization states, which will be in the Midwest or the East where you can't grow your own plants at home. You can only possess a small amount of marijuana. Some of them you'll have to register. You'll have to get like a license, a marijuana license in a sense to be able to just possess it. And it'll be a token gesture, right? Like anybody could get it. They'll they'll probably even have these marijuana licenses available at online kiosks and, you know, touch screens, and they'll just print out your little ticket. Like you get your little uh, pass before you get on the metro train or whatever. Mark my words. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see wide open legal marijuana in the West, in the initiative states that pass their legalization through initiative. And then you're going to see the more strict legalization, the more restricted, no home grow type legalization, no edibles type legalization, because that's what they're talking about in Vermont here. The Governor Shumlin in Vermont is saying how great his medical marijuana law is because they're doing it deliberately through the legislature and taking care and learning from the mistakes of Colorado. We're not going to sell edibles in Vermont because we learned from that mistake in Colorado. We're not going to let people grow their own because that's a mistake, right? Shumlin loves this new law. So what's going to happen then is in the initiative states, we're going to keep passing reasonable laws like what we're looking at in five different states this year that are even going to have pot lounges in their laws. And then you're going to have these legislatures that craft these more restrictive type of legalizations. 
just like medical marijuana has good and not so good based on whether it's legislative or initiative. But here is where we got to catch. Here's where things get interesting. First time around on this marijuana issue, these guys caught, got caught blindsided. California passed it, and it was a fluke, and hey, those crazy liberal Californians, and then Oregon and Alaska and Washington, hey, it's just a crazy West Coast thing, and then Hawaii and Nevada and Colorado and Montana say, whoa, wait a minute, this thing's getting out of control, and they didn't really get on their game till 2010 or 2012 and start saying, well, look, okay, so no, you know, they can't grow plants at home, it'll be dispensary only, and, and hey, they can't smoke the shit, we gotta give them an oil or something. It took them, a, you know, 15 years. Before they really got on their game, 14, 14 years before they got on their game to figure out how to deal with these initiative states passing crazy medical marijuana laws. I don't think they'll be so slow on the uptick this time. I think this story about Shumlin, the governor in Vermont, is the template for what we're going to see for the rest of these initiatives or these uh, uh, some of these states. You're going to see these legislatures. In the states where they have initiative power, because Vermont, they do, they could pass marijuana through an initiative. You're going to see these states. Oh, no, wait, do they? I don't think they do. I could be wrong on that. But there are, you know, like, you're going to see some states that have initiative power where their legislatures are going to go, look, if we don't start by passing our type of legalization, the more restrictive kind, they're going to pass a wide open legalization through an initiative. It's the threat we made in Oregon. After our 2012 legalization failed, in 2013, we went to the legislature with the basic bones of Measure 91, and we said, look, we'll work with you in the legislature. Let's get this passed through the legislature. And they said, no, 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 no. They said, look, work with us, or we'll just put it on the ballot in 2014. And they're like, yeah, sure you will. And we did, and it passed, and now they scrambled to catch up and work with us. Could have got a lot of this stuff worked out you know, years ago, but okay. So that's a threat we already used. It's a threat they're going to see and appreciate in New Mexico, let's say. New Mexico is an initiative state. I can imagine New Mexican uh, officials, elected officials saying, look, let's pass a Vermont-style legalization in New Mexico before they put a California-style legalization on the ballot. Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, uh, most of those interior western states have initiative power. Oklahoma has the initiative power. I could see them opting, look, we're never going to stop legalization. It's getting way too popular. So let's let's get ahead of this and put together a really crappy legalization. Because at least with the crappy legalization, they'll have pot shops and a lot of those stoners won't care anymore and they won't be able to pass anything better. I really think that's what we're going to see. I, I think there's going to be a quicker closing of the gap in the initiative states. And in the legislative states, I think they're going to see it won't be the threat of an initiative that threatens them. It's going to be the threat of losing out the money to these other states near them that legalize. And let's not forget the Native American tribes that have a hand in this as well. So even in a place like, say, Alabama, Right where you, you wouldn't expect them to want to pass a legalization thing through their legislature. But if they start having some tribes opening up some pot shops nearby or even within Alabama, if they get Georgia next to them 
legalizing medical marijuana, perhaps. If, if things start happening that way, then some of these state legislatures might say, look, we just have to bite the bullet on this. Legalization's inevitable. So we're going to do it our way and we're going to make it as strict as we want. So this is another reason why I'm so in support of any legalization that hits the ballot. Any legalization that hits the ballot needs to pass. We need as many states in the good column as possible to balance out how far they're going to try to pull legal marijuana into the bad column in the future states. That's why I supported Ohio. What they proposed in Ohio in 2015, I guarantee you, is a better legalization than Ohio will get in the next 15 years. You won't see a better legalization in Ohio until the year 2030, at earliest. Oh, well, sometimes it's hard being right, isn't it? We got to take a break because, uh, you know, but when we come back, we got our international stories from Israel, from New Zealand, and from Ireland. I'm Radical Russ, live in Boulder City, Nevada. Thanks for being here. We'll be right back in two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, Mr. Man. 
Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry, no food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. everybody 38 after the hour uh as you know in addition to doing this uh, marijuana show stuff i also have a tendency to write on political topics and lately on my huffington post blog i've been writing a whole lot on the hillary clinton bernie sanders phenomenon and i'm kind of getting uh labeled here for being uh a bernie or bust supporter and that's the point that if uh hillary clinton is nominated and goes up against Donald Trump, uh, uh, supposedly, or Cruz for that matter, that um, I won't vote for either one of those people because uh, neither one of them are a person who, if you said to me, should this person be president of the United States? I would say no. (laughs) So why? And of course, the the point they try to make is that it's... uh, uh, you know, lesser of two evils is the basic point that, yeah, Hillary Clinton may have some problems, but, you know, she's not Donald Trump. Oh, my God, Donald Trump. Oh, geez. Oh, the hell. Oh, apocalypse. Right. And this has been the line of thinking for every election I can remember. Really, it's been a line of thinking. I've never been counseled so much to vote for someone as to constantly Guard against the evil that's coming from the other side. And it's, I fell for this thinking the first couple of times because it seems logical. It seems logical that, okay, there are only two choices, A and B. And if A is better than B, I have to pick A. But here's the problem with that thinking because you got to take it out of the short term and look at it in the long term. You got to look at what the cumulative effect of these things are on the right. They have had a dedicated base of rabid activist types. Tea partiers is the latest incarnation, but this goes back further. This goes back to John Birch society and all of that, right? You've had on the right, they have had a base that has, Pulled its party as far right as it can. Now, this has been aided by certain events like Republicans gaining enough power to control state houses to rewrite congressional districts and legislative districts in such a way that you ensconce permanently a Republican seat, right? You get these weirdly drawn districts that only get the rich white people and they go around all the minority suburbs and different places and working class neighborhoods, right? And you get a little tiny gerrymandered district that that's guaranteed to be a Republican. So in that district, the only race that exists is the Republican primary. And the only guy that wins is the guy who's more Republican than the, uh, than the other guy. And that effect at that little level is to pull that district into being much more conservative than it really is. And then the net effect of all those little districts on the party is to pull that party further right than it really is. So you've got this right wing, you've got these dedicated base activists in the right wing who at the, at the micro level and the macro level have pulled their party rightward in ideology. 
on the other side, you've got a Democratic Party that has not been pulled by its base in any meaningful way in the last 30 years. Because that party, the Democrats, had been beat up so badly through the 70s, the Nixon years, the McGovern landslide loss, the Jimmy Carter malaise, getting crushed by Ronald Reagan, Mondale gets crushed, Dukakis gets crushed. All of that led up to Democrats having such a loathing of their own base, of their own identity, that they rejected that. When Bill Clinton came along, it was a rejection of the old Democratic ideals of welfare. Well, we're going to have welfare reform, you know, tough on crime. They started taking uh, items from the Republican agenda, right? And this was also in reaction to the Southern strategy of the Republicans. The, The Republicans had cast this Southern strategy of basically winning over what had been a largely Democratic working class white vote by appealing to racism through coded dog whistle type terminologies, tough on crime and welfare abuse, the Ronald Reagan's Cadillac welfare queen, right? So the left wing had been so beat up over these, over the sixties and seventies and the eighties that, that Bill Clinton comes along and figures, all right, here's how we defeat this Southern strategy. We get the, the white working class vote back by, co-opting some of their stuff and not allowing the Republicans to paint us as welfare supporting and, and soft on crime and anti-gun and so forth. And we'll be tough on crime and more police on the streets and welfare reform and, and, and also being cast as the party that was anti-big business by supporting things like the merger of the telecommunications community, uh, 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 corporations and the uh, uh, the ending of, of financial uh, regulatory uh, systems that had been in place since the Great Depression. So you've got a right wing that has been pulling its side to the right, and then you've got a left, the Democratic Party, moving to the center to co-opt some of that, some of the fish in the right wing side. And Bill Clinton only pulled this off because, one, he is a politician without peer as far as his charisma and his political skill. And two, Ross Perot. (laughs) He had a third-party candidate in there siphoning off some of the right-wing votes as well. Bill Clinton was elected with a plurality of 42% of the vote. 58% of America did not want Bill Clinton to be president. Remember that. Now, he did win a a landslide re-election, but I think a lot of that was also aided by the fact that Bill Clinton was the beneficiary of the biggest economic engine in modern times, the dot-com boom and evolution of computers and the internet. So by the 2000s, you've got a a right-wing party being moved further to the right. You've got a left-wing party that's moved itself to the middle and the left-wing activists being left out in the wilderness and having really no political power because what happens is by 2000, you get that argument of, well, you got to vote for the lesser of two evils. Yeah, Bill Clinton's moved to the center. Yeah, Democrats are more centrist. Yeah, they're more business-friendly. Yeah, they abandoned labor. Yeah, they abandoned the poor. But what are you going to do? Vote for the gay-hating, misogynist Republicans that, you know, are Bible thumpers and all that? So we got the lesser two evils argument, and and some of us were upset about it at that time. That's where the whole Ralph Nader thing started to happen, as we started, wait wait a minute, what's this? Lesser two evils. How about we just have Democrats that act like Democrats? Wouldn't that be cool? 
Uh, we got that in 2000. We got the same argument in 2004 when the Democrats run a lousy candidate in John Kerry. And it, but lesser two evils, lesser two evils. We get it in 2000. Every year we get the same argument. Obama comes along in 2008 and actually talks like a Democrat and starts to re- we start to recall, hey, yeah, we used to care about the poor. We used to care about, you know, not being spied on and privacy and stuff like that. But then once he gets into office, he's co-opted in the same Democratic uh, uh, third way corporate friendly ways. And, and again, has been pulled all the way to the right. In 2012, he runs. And even though he reneges on his promises of of uh, ending the war in Afghanistan or closing Guantanamo. And again, not all his fault. The Republicans completely obstructed him. I don't want to just forget about that part of it. But the broader point of this whole rant is that we got the lesser of two evils when we elected Bill Clinton. And what happened? Well, we got the telecommunications and the end of Glass-Steagall and we got uh, uh, the, the mass incarceration and the crime bill and the welfare reform. We got, we got the lesser of two evils when we got Barack Obama. What did we get? Well, we got drone warfare and more spying and no accountability for torture and no accountability for uh, wrecking Wall Street. And right. So and that's not to say nothing good happened under Bill Clinton and nothing good happened under uh, Barack Obama, but nothing all it wasn't all evil under George W. Bush either. And Bush was a terrible president, worst in my lifetime. So I'm not swayed by the lesser two evils argument because what I see is that the left needs to be pulled back to the left by its angry base. It worked for the Tea Party. Their angry base pulled their party to the right by running primary challengers and having absolute ideological purity and and not accepting incumbents that didn't toe the line. So... Yeah, part of the rebuttal against me is that that's what we should be doing, not at the presidential level, but we should be acting like the Tea Party and primarying people at the beginning and and having the ideological purity tests at the city council level first before you start at the presidential level. But I think that you cement Hillary Clinton in there, you get Hillary Clinton in, and I think the problem just gets worse. The real problem, and that is the corporate takeover of our politics. I just don't see any way around it, but holding them accountable. Why should she get my vote? Why should somebody who voted for the Iraq war, somebody who was fooled by George W. Bush? I think that's a pretty good litmus test. If George W. Bush can fool you, you can't be president. That's pretty simple. That's But for so much more, I don't know who I'm voting for if I vote for Hillary Clinton. She's changed her position so many times. She evolves so often. How do I know she doesn't evolve into something else that I don't want? Yeah. So anyway, I'm getting a lot of attention on that. And the uh, latest guy out there tweeted back at me that, uh, let's see, what, uh, what, what am I? I'm immature, a petulant child, ignorant, sore loser. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff I get for thinking what I think. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there's a great reply to this. I've posted it on my uh, Facebook page, Radical Russ on Facebook, uh, essay written by somebody else who who points out that this argument we hear that the Bernie or Bust thing is only possible for the 
beneficiaries of white privilege like myself. He does a really good job of shooting down that argument. So I'd encourage you to check that out if it's something of interest to you. Now, coming up, don't forget, in 10 minutes, we've got the Stoner Jesus Show coming up live here on CannabisRadio.com. And uh, you will enjoy it, but uh, make sure uh, you might want to put headphones on. (laughs) You never know what Stoner Jesus is going to say. And uh, if you're listening at work, could be difficult. Um, Also, coming up at 6 o'clock, we've got the newest edition of the Tommy Chong podcast heard exclusively here on CannabisRadio.com. Want you to check all that out. We're going to take a break, be back to close up the show, and I promise I'll give you that uh, international news headlines. I've been teasing it for the past half hour. We'll come back and uh, tell you what's going on in Israel, in New Zealand, and Ireland when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. The Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorn. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a skunk. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, welcome back. Quick uh, notes on our international news feed. Israeli cannabis expertise attracts U.S. firms. This from, (laughs) I'm not sure how to say it, Peretz, the Israeli news service. But uh, U.S. firms have invested $50 million in licensing Israeli medical marijuana patents cannabis agrotech startups and firms developing delivery services such as inhalers. This is according to Sal K, the CEO of ICANN, a private cannabis research hub. He says he expects it to grow to $100 million in investment in the coming year at the Canatech conference in Tel Aviv. The U S legal market is currently at 5.7 billion expected to be 23 billion by 2020. And uh, one of the points they say about that makes Israel so attractive is that it's easier to research there. According to Dr. Sue Sisley, she says in the United States, it's easier to study heroin than marijuana. With marijuana, you have to go through added layers of government red tape. It highlights the way marijuana research is being shackled by politics. Isn't that amazing, folks? It is harder to study marijuana than heroin and they're both schedule one drugs so like marijuana is like a schedule one plus right it is an extra extra boost when you need that extra boost of prohibition go for schedule one plus we've got another story uh from the uh international wire coming from new zealand from radio new zealand on the possibility of cannabis decriminalization in New Zealand, which is going through a major uh, drought right now as far as uh, marijuana availability. But the uh, National Party saying, our National Party's uh, health minister says he's not in favor in decriminalization and says, quote, we have got too many drugs in society. Cannabis is very carcinogenic. I don't think it would be a good idea to have more people smoking more cannabis, end quote. Carcinogenic, please, please, Mr. Minister. Please show us the cancer wards filled with marijuana smokers. We'll wait. Go look. You're not going to find them. Marijuana use is not carcinogenic. There are carcinogens in it. That does not necessarily make it a carcinogen. Chemistry matters. Hydrogen is explosive. But when it's mixed with oxygen, it's water. (laughs) Okay? Chemistry matters. Okay? The longest, largest long-term study on marijuana smokers by Dr. Donald Tashkin found no increased risk of cancer from marijuana smoke. And in our final international news piece from Ireland, mother of cork boy receiving U.S. cannabis treatment says, quote, it's illogical not to have it in Ireland, end quote. I first read this headline, I thought... Mother of Cork Boy, what, Pinocchio's got a brother? That's my Ireland joke. Folks, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us here on CannabisRadio.com. Stay tuned because Stoner Jesus is coming up next. He will uh, take you straight to Stoner Heaven and save your stony soul. From what, I don't know. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.